to the Mudhorn Clan cast on the Fangirl Zone. I am Sean Fangirl S. I'm Sith Lord Steve. Good one. I like the way you say that. I am Beskar Dave. Or Best Guy Dave. <laughs> and today we're talking about Chapter 18 of The Mandalorian, titled The Minds of Mandalore. Episode 2 of Season 3, written by John Favreau and directed by Rick Famuyima. So I will tell you, as I was watching this with my husband, who is a part of the Fangirl Zone, He's like, oh my god, is this the last episode? I'm like, honey, this is only the second episode. <laughs> right. Like, but he's it like, seems that way. He's like, that was such a big episode. I kind of felt like that was going to be a cliffhanger at the end. How pissed would everybody be? Like, we waited so long, and it's like, nope, you just get two. Ha ha. Yeah. Yeah, that's how that went that night. And I'm like, oh, we should watch it again. And everyone out in listener land, Beskar Dave sent mm. a message to Steve and I. It's like, oh, my God. And we're like, oh, no, what happened? Somebody died. What happened? So then I just tell my husband what was on the text, which obviously wasn't spoilers or anything. And he's like, somebody's going to die. Wait, or somebody's coming back. Or somebody's. He went down a rabbit hole just from that text day. <laughs> <laughs> I texted uh, both of them. And they were in for a treat. But, <laughs> he, he thinks, all right, who's going to die? That's not a treat. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, it went like. <laughs> I'm the one who goes down rabbit holes, but he was like Alice in Wonderland. I'm telling you, he was lost for a while. Well, good. (laughs) I thought I'd share that with all of you because I thought that was hilarious. And yeah, just a few words just sends us spiraling. Can you give us a taste of what he was thinking? He wouldn't even finish a sentence. Oh, wow. That's what I'm saying. It was like... (laughs) Super excited, huh? So somebody showed up. No, somebody died. Or they killed somebody big. Oh, wait. What about... Who was over in the bat that fandom? Wait, wait, what about Rebels? Maybe somebody? Told, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> He's in the fan guy zone. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, like, when I say fangirling, you know, it's just getting super excited about something. I thought I was bad. He can get, like, crazy with it, too. That's He's awesome, way though. more subdued, but... That's awesome. I'm like, oh, what's his fangirling now? You're making yeah. fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> and then a fun little meme that went around with Pedro Pascal, and it said, Tell your guy if your girl's watching Pedro Pascal in The Mandalorian or The Last of Us, she's not his gal anymore. She's Pedro's gal. Right. And I laughed about it and I shared that with him. He's like, well, I'm watching it too, so I guess I'm Pedro's gal too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we're all Pedro's. He's got us in his spell depending on the show. Yeah. And this one definitely, I think, had a lot of people freaking out for our Mandalorian. So Absolutely. our wonderful recap that I swear to God, they troll us with these. Mandalorian and Grogu explore the ruins of a destroyed planet. Thanks, everyone, for that yeah. very in-depth, you know, description of of what we can expect. All right, initial reactions, Sean. I really liked it. There was a lot of tension, so like my shoulders were up to my ears and my fists were clenched a lot because I'm like, oh God, what's happening? So that was pretty good because of that. Dave. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it. Had, uh, I thought it was a treat. <laughs> it, it advanced the storyline so quickly. I, initially, I thought they were just going to take the whole season trying to get back to Mandalore. They're already there, already yeah. exploding. We had a huge moment. So there's so many possibilities now. I'm looking at my notes here, and I'm trying to figure out uh, what I said about future of the franchise or where it's going. I don't see that anywhere. But, well, we know, we know who's a, a believer now. She has to be. Yes. And that just opens <laughs> up the doors. Now that the Bo-Katan has to be a believer, she's going to have to set about repopulating 
planet getting people back together as one and of course how's she gonna get her hands on the dark saber boy i thought you were going a different route with that you started with repopulate yeah <laughs> you know what you i thought you were going a different route with that one Dave. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my reputation precedes me yeah <laughs> well, yeah how i thought did it was you a feel? fantastic episode i like that Bo's attitude changed in a flat second, and she even softened as the episode went along, which I thought was also good to see. So, yeah, this redemption arc for Bo-Katan may turn out to be a really good one. Yeah, and they've already written season four, so wow. Yes. I don't remember if I said it last episode or if somebody else did. There was an interview with Pedro, and he was asked if they're going to be filming season four this year. And he's like, wait, let me see, what season is it? He's like, all right, we're just at the beginning of spring. Yeah, I think we'll have it filming, if not done, by the end of this year. I'm like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Release it. Absolutely. So we don't have a year and a half to wait again. Let us watch it all as you're filming it. I don't even care. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Take outtakes and all. I'm sure those are hilarious. I wish they would show those, not just the artwork at the end. Yes. Or just have one kind of quick episode where they show all the outtakes and the goofy stuff people start doing. Okay, so are we ready to move on to our top three moments? Good. There's so many. (laughs) All right, number three. According to Sean, what do you have? I am going to say when they go see Pelly and he does his, Grogu does his little Jedi flip out of (laughs) the starship and then in the same vein when she's like, I think he just said my name. Is that his first word? I'm like, that's so cute. (laughs) Deep? Well, I'm agreeing with Sean. Not the droid Din wanted. Of course, Mando's first stop would be his old pal Peli Motto on Tatooine. Yeah. And of course, it happens to be Anakin Skywalker's favorite holiday, the Boonta Eve. And Peli <laughs> and her Jawa friends are spending it, stealing speeders, stripping them, and then selling the parts back to the locals. Sounds just like Peli. Yeah. But when she sees Mando arrive in the N1, she helped him customize. She puts all that aside and welcomes her friend, who this time is accompanied by a jumping Grogu. And he just shot out of it. Yeah, so funny. I'm like, did they put him on a little cannon or something? <laughs> yeah. Belly <laughs> 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 is curious why he's back and drops a few Book of Boba Fett references before Mando tells her he needs that replacement IG memory search. Belly thinks it's a tall task and... Even the not-tall Jawas agree. They don't think they'll be able to find such a part. Resourceful as ever, though, Pelly has a solution. Instead of the nimble, ruthless IG droid Mando wanted, she suggests he takes the busted astromech droid she now owns R5-D4. It's a droid that's so old and beat up, it was a wreck even before Luke Skywalker knew what the Force or Jedi were. That's because, yes, this is the exact droid Uncle Owen almost bought before it crapped out and he got R2-D2 in A New Hope, a moment that literally changed the entire trajectory of the galaxy when you think about it. And, of course, Mando is rightfully skeptical. Why would he want this crappy droid that can barely move? Somehow, though, Pelly not only convinces him, but she builds a droid port on his ship and he sets off with R5 in tow. R5 is going to be a pain. They're going to give him his little spot back because I was a little mad. I'm like, wait a minute, don't you get Grogu's space? Yeah. I was wondering if that, now I wonder if the IG-11 mini quest was just a red herring. I think so. 
Yeah, it's just we get a backdoor introduction to R. What is it? R five, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think he appears in other parts of teasers or other trailers. I don't think he's gonna get. Uh, I mean, Grogu's gonna get his seat back. I'm not right. entirely sure because you know the nature of trailers; they can bounce anywhere. Yeah. They anyway, my for all we know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be mean. Yeah. Well, my number three was the iMac reveal. The I cut, put in my notes Biobot. Like what yes. is that thing? I mean, it was so cool. It's got this fleshy, wrinkled eye and this giant—I don't know—crab-like monster. It clanks around and traps things. I don't know what it does for food. Otherwise, come on, there can't be that many things down there. Except the, uh, what, what do they call those things? The amylites or amylites? Yeah. Yeah, I guess he would be trapping those. But it looks so creepy. And then the eye comes out of the, the large unit and then goes into the spider-like thing or insect-like thing and starts with all the arms and legs and starts working on them and stuff. And then we see it scuttle around with like just a head too, with that same weird eye. Yeah. That Can was I awesome. say, I thought it was Grievous. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've seen a few references to that. Yeah. Yeah. I Spider totally Grievous. was thinking it was Grievous at first. And I'm like, what? So I freaked out a minute. I'm like, isn't he dead? Where are we in the timeline? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> what if that thing had a voice? You never heard it say anything, huh? Except like, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, like me in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Oil can. All right, moving on to our number two moments. Uh, what do you have this time, Sean? Oh, my gosh. Again, there were so many. But when Grogu and Mando are, like, standing at the ledge, it's like, all right, ready to go? And he fires up his jetpack, and Grogu's like, just on my little hovercraft, and just kind of out over the edge and down. It's like, what is this, an <laughs> elevator? <laughs> Going down. I thought it was so cute. And it's like, oh, look it. I want him in a little helmet now. I really do. Oh. <laughs> the helmet. But I thought that was just, it was cool to see the visual and then you kind of see how Mandalore is and everything and how it was destroyed. But just, it was cute because they were doing it together and he didn't have to be helped. And I'm like, mm. all right. So yes, he's still baby Grogu, but he's kind of growing up and learning. What I like is about the rocket pack use is how accurately they get, I mean, it's, just the sound I would picture, you can picture right. sound, going down, doing that whooshing sound, and, and as it, he sinks down there, but also uh, the wisp of exhaust or smoke that comes from it that rises up behind it, too. I'm like, that's well done. Steve, you got a number two for us? Yep. My number two is Din Saves R5. Now with his old crappy built-for-adventure astromech droid on board, Mando and Grogu fly through the fireworks of Boon to Eve and head toward Mandalore. When they arrive, Mando explains the surrounding areas. He grew up on Concordia, one of the moons of Mandalore, and recently they visited another moon, Calivia, to check in with Bo-Katan. At the center of it is the home planet Mandalore, where he's never been and isn't sure it's safe. And they dive down to try and find out. Boy, is the atmosphere a bit bumpy. Planet's upper atmosphere seems very violent, but once they break through, everything is serene. Magnetic fields from the Empire's fusion bombs have made the intergalactic communication impossible, but at least there's a chance they can land and complete the missile. Did, uh, when they were above the planet, didn't it seem like it was like 100% clouded? Yes. Yeah, how did we get partly cloudy once they Yeah, I know. The storm <laughs> rolled over. It passed. <laughs> He was on the side of the planet that was cloudy and landed on yes. the part that was. 
partly cloudy today, everyone. <laughs> so my number two was both fighting the iMac, as I started calling it, and doing that slide, slice underneath it. She wielded the Darksaber effortlessly, and she could fight it. Poor uh, Din Jarn is, like, still trying to drag that thing around. He had his own fight with it, too, and it, he's still treating it like a 100-pound lead weight or something. Right. But she's swinging around like, oh, you know, I used to be the princess and I had this thing briefly, <laughs> and this is nothing, just another day for me. I mean, she, she can't use the force, but she used her tether there to grab and bring it back and just started chopping the legs off that thing and then gave it the slice with the uh, sword cutting the belly out of that thing. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. All right, moving on to number one, Fanfare, please. Sean, what do you have? Okay, so kind of in that vein that you're talking about, when Grogu shows up by himself back at Bo-Katan's castle, and I love when he just points, by the way, on the map, like, here. And she's like, wait, where's your dad? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> how cute she's official now he's officially dad and then later when she says you know your kids brought me here but it was just so cute because it was like oh my god yes we know they've been a clan of two for a while but like somebody saying like that's your dad you're the kid this is like family and then of course her actually being like let's go and (laughs) like you said softening a little all right so this is going where it needs to go got it and we don't have to wait a bunch yeah. How about you, Steve? What is your number one? Well, my number one is Bo saves Din twice. Yeah. Not only one. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I, for- <laughs> I almost forgot it was twice. I have a theory about that. In one makes its way towards Bo Katan's castle, and she seems none too happy about it. Let's get rid of him once and for all, she says in a moment that could either mean I'm going to kill him right now and get my <laughs> dark saber back, or I thought I told him to leave me alone. I'm brooding. I, I was worried was about that first part. Yeah. yeah. Now she She's stops in her me. tracks when she sees it's not Mando in the ship, it's Grogu. Grogu hops over to Bo-Katan's ship, the gauntlet, and they head back toward Mandalore. Once there, she instantly starts to get nostalgic about what it used to look like. Her family used to rule it all, and now it's a tomb. Grogu guides her down into the mines, and while he's scared, he sucks it up and carries <laughs> on. That gator had him... Thinking about it real hard. Yeah. Bo-Katan tells him a bit about her past dealing with Jedi and how good with the Force Grogu must be. Saying that he hailed one of them Amalites with no problem. Yep. It's an interesting conversation that's interrupted when she senses an Alamite trap and attacks first, killing several in the process. Bo-Katan notes that these creatures used to live in the wastelands, and if they survived, she wonders what else survived, too. That's yeah. a damn good question. Yeah. Finally, good. after what seems like a pretty short period of time, both Katan and Grogu make it to Spider Grievous. He's draining Mando's blood for some reason, so Bo Katan runs in guns blazing. It's not working super well, though, until she sees something on the ground. The Darksaber. As we've seen before, Bo Katan is lethal with the Darksaber, and once she has it in her hands, it's fairly clear that she was basically born to weld it. She destroys the creatures, heads over to Mando, and even when the creature detaches and comes back with the giant mech, one long slice on the bottom with the dark saber takes care of. Rescue is complete. Mando later says he's in Bo-Katan's debt. Mando rests. Bo cooks them some pog soup 
and is ready to leave, but he still wants to complete his mission, especially now that he knows what she said is true. Mandalore is not cursed. She's not so sure, though, because this ruin does not resemble the place she once ruled. But she respects his choices and says she'll take him to the living waters if that's what he really wants. Pair discussed the old days of Mandalore, the bustling city, her father's sacrifice in its defense and the Empire's desire to punish them. Then they enter the mines themselves, which have been around far longer than the cities above. Eventually, they reach the living waters and, almost as a joke, Bo-Katan reads out the plaque that's there to commemorate the pseudo-tourist attraction. These mines date back to the age of the first Mandalore. According to ancient folklore, the mines were once a mythosaur lair. Mandalore the Great is said to have tamed the mystical beast. That I'd like to see a flashback on. It is from these legends that the skull signet was adopted and became the symbol of our planet. Obviously, she does believe in any of this, even though she's Mandalorian royalty. She also watches curiously, almost humorously, as Mando takes off his weapons and begins the process of regaining his honor. He heads into the water, reciting his creed along the way, when out of nowhere, he's pulled under. Well, Bo doesn't hesitate. She dives in after him and finds him all the way at the bottom of the water. She begins to carry him up when she sees, Is that a tusk? Is that an eye? She gasps as she sees a mammoth creature whose head is shaped like the symbol of the Mandalore. Yes, Bo-Katan just saw a real-life mythosaur. Now is a good time for a quick flashback to the Book of Boba Fett. That's where the armorer said the songs of eons past foretold of the mythosaur rising up to herald a new age of Mandalore. Were these myths? I'm thinking not. Or was she describing the third season of The Mandalorian? Will the mythosaur once again rise up and with it bring a new age of Mandalore? If so, where do Mando and Bo-Katan fit? Well, hopefully we'll find out. Sometimes I wonder if he's just going to throw a punch at her. She's going to get so pissed off, so punch <laughs> back, he'll drop the Darksaber. You win. Yeah. Sucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you won it in the fight. Okay, yep, yeah, that's all he has to do. Yep. She's, got a, she's got a little bit of a temper. Why not? Just kidding. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't remember seeing her handing it back to him, so I think she's still got it. Well, he took it off his belt before he went underwater. Okay. So maybe done, like, she had it. it back to yeah, maybe yeah. she had it with all of his stuff, like when he was drinking the soup. Yeah. And I love it how he's like, oh, I can't actually take my helmet off. Dude, you haven't gone in the water. You can take your helmet off right now. Yes. You can't. <laughs> Leaning his mean, head way back to try to get that soup up underneath the helmet. And then he gives gives it to Grogu. It's like, oh, adorable. Okay. Well, this is pretty easy for me was the uh, the reveal of the mythosaur. I'm like, wow. That, that yes. really. Not only did that this awesome. episode advance the story so much, but to see that come true, the mythology that come true, is that it's going to set everything on its ear. I even wrote in my notes, I, re- I used the word resettling instead of repopulating this time. I, I wrote, how will uh, Bo-Katan said about resettling Phandalin Mandalore? It's not, not up to her to repopulate it. <laughs> no. Uh, and then getting to Darksaber, which I think, really, he should just give her a little punch or something or feign some anger at her and just take out the Darksaber and she could just, like, takes it out of his hands. Oh, God, I won. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you let me do that. Yeah. I do have a theory about, and we'll see if this matches what you're thinking, Sean, about the final moments. Of course, 
Din Djarin's all in. I don't know where to call him, Mando or Din Djarin. I like Mando so much. He goes in the water, he takes off all his equipment, and he recites the creed. And like you said, he's she's like softly shaking her head. Go ahead, sucker. And the next thing you know, he's pulled down. We all must think that the uh, Minasaur pulled him down. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe he passed out because he didn't seem to be moved much at the bottom. And I think he did that because he heard Din Djarin recite the creed and he meant it. Right. So that this might like be the moment the Mythosaur was waiting for, a true believer, and also knowing that, uh, or sensing, that Bo-Katan was also up there, this was his moment to make her a believer, too. I mean, yeah. she scoffed when she read the plaque and said, well, I tried not to embarrass my father. But he must know at some level, meaning the Mythosaur, that she's the destined or true leader of Mandalore and the one to resettle it. And so he, by pulling Din Djarin down, he gave her the opportunity to become a believer and, and reveal himself. Right. Thanks. Wow. That <laughs> went way deeper than I was thinking. Because honestly, we're like, did he just slip off the edge of the platform? <laughs> yeah, no. They didn't because she sewed her diving in. Uh, that looked like a half a belly flop to me, too. I hope that didn't hurt. Right. <laughs> well, her armor could have, you know, been yeah. that part. I think the Mythosaur set that up, you know, that's, waiting for that. That's really interesting. And that went way deeper than I was thinking. I was thinking it was just more accidental that that happened. Like, he got pulled in and that fact that she was there to see him and see or save him and then see the, the Mythosaur. It was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Although... That is a good way to be like, all right, let me send this info out to the universe. Right. You're like, it's real. It's here. Get back here. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. was waiting for a Mandalorian to return. Yeah. yeah. A r- true believer, too. Right. And, of course, with the way Bo read the plaque, that wasn't a true believer. But as soon as Din Djarin spoke, it kind of said, oh, I've got one. Yeah. <laughs> so my question to everyone, because I went down a rabbit hole with this, with the dark saber, it was you have to be one with your purpose in order to get it to not be heavy. I believe something along those lines is what the armor told Dinjarin. And right. that's why Bokatan could do it so easily because she wanted to take back Bandalore. And, yep. and that's why she's able to just like swing it around without a problem. And he's still torn, even if he doesn't realize he's torn. And, right. and I'm thinking that. He's torn because he has come to love and care for Grogu as his family. And then he's like trying to fight against everything he was brought up with as a child of the walk. Because it's like, oh, we're not supposed to do this. We're not supposed to take our off our helmets. And they were very extreme. And like when he took off his helmet so Grogu could see his face and touch his face, it brought me to tears. Like, he's torn because he's like, he wanted that connection. And he right. doesn't have the same kind of connection. So, and you know what? Him actually pushing Bo-Katan just enough for her to take a swing at him, that I think is interesting. And if we see that, that was totally Dave's idea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that something along the lines of what I said is why it's the Darksaber is so heavy for him? Or do you have your own opinions of why he can't wield it? Well, I, I agree with the part, but he's, he's a little confused of purpose. He has his own purpose, but that doesn't include wielding the saber itself. Right. It's just a, another weapon to him. She is one with the saber because she's wielded it before. She knows she's from royalty. She's just not a believer. Right. And she hasn't, despite the fact that she had it once, she really hasn't earned it back. It's kind of ironic, and it does speak to how they've been fractured. 
she gets the saber, he doesn't. It doesn't mean the same thing to him as it does to her. And uh, But he's a true believer and she isn't. But all that changes now. Steve, what do you think? I agree with Dave. I think that they're both sides of the same coin. Yeah. <laughs> or opposite sides of the same coin. And it's going to end up taking both of them to reunite Mandalore, I think. I yeah. Think it's not just Bo having the dark saber. I think it's Bo having the dark saber and Mando being a true believer. It's odd that this resettling starts with just two people. Right. She's going to have to believe in his or his creed of keeping the helmet on and he's going to have to agree with her way because otherwise there's no going forward, but they sure have to now. Right. And I don't know who's going to be first to get back. Is it going to be Bo-Katan's people that are out being mercenaries and killing each other, or is it going to be the Watch that returns first? I don't know. We're going to have to see something that's going to change that dynamic because they're not coming back. She could tell them until she's blue in the face or blue in the helmet, <laughs> but she still isn't. In, they left her because she doesn't have the dark saber. So they, we have to find a way. The next step, I guess, is getting her the dark saber back. So give her a shove or something, or you yeah. know, hide an egg in her helmet when she puts it on next time. See how mad she gets. <laughs> well, I know that we're supposed to get a live action person from Rebels. I cannot right. remember her name. It was the girl who had who was a Mandalorian. Sabina? So maybe Sabine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Sabine Wren. So maybe she'll be one of the first ones that come back. You never know. Something She's totally one, different. She pioneered a way of getting through Beskar armor too. That's kind of scary. I mean, I like the character and all, but uh, can't ha- have that technology go in the wrong hands. Right. I do want to mention though too that Moff Gideon was able to wield the dark saber because he had a single purpose, which was bringing the yeah. Empire back yeah. to everywhere yeah. of the galaxy. So. I don't think it's just Mandalorian. Just if you are so single-minded, I think mm-hmm. that might be sure. a big thing. Okay, let's get on to our honorable mention. I have to say, when I swear you heard Grogu say, yeah, <laughs> it's like, you go get your dad. I'm like, did he just, like, kind of do a little cheer, a little fist bump? Yeah, let's do it. Because I'm like, again, adorable. Can't help it. He's so cute. I know everybody's tired of hearing me say that, but oh my God, that was a cute, that was a cute thing. I can't help it. And of course, you know, when he like throws the big giant thing, the, the big lizard guy, when the little lizard tried to eat him at one point, but it was great. It's like, yeah, that's right. Eat his ass and don't fall asleep. Please don't fall asleep. And finally, one more honorable mention for me is our scared little droid. I mean, literally shaking. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, okay, I love how they throw this little bit of humor in this episode that is kind of like tense and everything, but you get these funny little humorous moments that yeah r5 was more like c3po than r2 it's like no i don't want to do that it's like it wasn't a request no yeah r2 used to shake with excitement yeah (laughs) so obviously droids can feel fear and other emotions something they're close to that i guess steve what was your honorable mention for this episode of course grogu force jumping into pelly's arms using the force on the Almanite, and believe it or not, he listened to Mando as he was able to pilot the N1 with the help of R5 and got it, it to Bo-Katan. So. He's a little sponge. Just like yes, he are, is. Absorbing <laughs> all of it. Never lost. Nope. And again, adorable. It's like, oh, he's teaching him stuff. This is the one. Yes. <laughs> Dave, what do you got for honorable mention? Just before I got that, 
I saw an interview with Pedro Pascal, who wrecked. He, I love how he loves his role. You know, he's, he doesn't hide from the public. He'll just walk down the street and people will say, this is the way. And then he, he says, half the time I'll just nod and say, this is the way. The other time he, he said he has a little fun with them. And he goes, really? I thought it was the other way. Am I going the right way? <laughs> <laughs> All right. My honorable, met, uh, my honorable mentors was again, Grogu flipping into Pelly's arms. So cute. Bo's, uh, reaction to Mando going missing once the, those two returned to her castle. She was like, she gave it the head tilt. It's like, what happened? Let's go. Yeah. And then uh, also Bo calling Grogu Din's kid. I'm like, yep, he sure is. <laughs> it was so great. I think everybody was like, yes, that's happening. <laughs> Daddy. I want to say just because you, you talked about Pedro's interview, I seen one too when he was like, oh, I went into the office to way back before he actually got the official role to try out for it. And he said, yeah, I, you know, I was born in 1975, so I grew up with all of this, and this was great. And I seen storyboard stuff all over, and he's like, oh, this is so cool. What am I going to try out for? Is it this bug? Is it this robot? And he was just super excited. Like, I would do the same. Be like, yeah, put me in anywhere. I don't care. And that's when Florian was like, no, you're going to be the Mandalorian. He's like, what? I think I would have probably been as excited. Yep. So I, I just think that's so cool that he is a fanboy with stuff like this because this yeah. is what he grew up with and so yeah. many people are like you can't tell me if one of us were given the chance to go and audition and be like am i gonna be this alien that nobody will know this is me that's totally fine and all i'm gonna yep. say is like <laughs> like i'd be fine with that yeah i wouldn't mind being in a band in the background <laughs> playing away you like, see that right there right there that was me <laughs> all right shall we give our ratings sure. john i well, I love this one, so I'm going to have to say five out of five. Flipping Grogu. And I don't mean flipping in a bad way this time. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to give it four out of five mythosaurs. Oh, that's big. That's yeah. a big one, though, Steve. Yep. I'm also going to give it five out of five. I was just amazed. I'm giving it five out of five change of pants for Bo-Katan. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the biggest moment of her life. Oh. Yep. All right. Well. Somebody's, Somebody's excited. excited to <laughs> hear Fred's voice again. Our friend Fred from the Netherlands has provided us with his thoughts on the first two episodes. So let's hear what he thought. Hello, Steve, Dave, and Sean. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for The Mandalorian Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2. Sorry that I didn't send in my feedback for episode 1 last week. So a little feedback now for episode 1 first. Great, great episode. I will give it an A+, and a 10. Really, really very nice. We get a double dose of Pedro Pascal these weeks, because he also has a lead role in The Last of Us. But there we really see his face. I always wonder in The Mandalorian how much of it is played by himself. Or how much do they use a stand-in? Which is of course very easy here. So the physical stuff. Of course we hear his voice. I found the CGI of the beginning scene. So not of the armorer but of this big dragon slash crocodile attack. Really, really great. Reminded me a little bit of the fight with the great dragon in the Book of Boba Fett. Little nitpick. One of the Mandalorians is shouting, Young ones to the cave. Well, why don't they all go to the cave? I mean, their rivals didn't do anything to this creature, it seems. 
But okay, when they all would have run to the cave, we wouldn't have this terrific scene. One of the next scenes with the Mandalorian and Grogu walking over the Navarro market, etc. must have cost a lot. If you see how many races and droids are there, all very nice Star Wars references, but that must have cost quite a bit. Just a walk through town. The reconstruction of IG-11 is a failure, but that is of course a Chekhov's gun. I think he will come back at some time in this season. The Anzellans are of course very nice and cute. Remind me a little bit of Ognaut Quail from season 1. Also a super tinkerer. But with their high-pitched voices, they also remind you a little bit of Jawas. I found the scene with Pocatan a little weird, because she is in this Mandalorian castle, with this big hallway, and she is the only one hanging there on a kind of throne? Nobody else there? What is she doing? Just sitting there and waiting for Din Djarin? A bit weird. But nevertheless, it gave nice visual. Okay, that was episode 1, and here is my feedback for episode 2. Well, this episode surely made Bogatan lift her behind from the cold stone throne and get her into action. Talking about behinds, I do find the Mandalorian Din Djarin a little anal about his creed. And following that, well, where did it bring him? I think Bogotan's vision on it is much more realistic. Actually, I find Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, a little bit fanatic about this. And I don't like people who have really fanatic and not open-minded visions. We just had this big dragon crocodile at the Mandalorian initiation and now we get again such a big beast, the Mitosaur. And as said in my previous feedback uh, about the previous episode, it all reminded me also a bit of the great dragon in the book of Boba Fett. So they really should stop with these big, big creatures and think of something new. Okay, this all sounds quite critical. Nevertheless, I surely would give this episode an A-. minus. So I did like it. And of course, the very best was seeing Pelimoto back. Always a guarantee for some humor in this sometimes a little bit heavy series. And that mainly comes by the demeanor of the Mandalorian. Okay, that will be all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Well, it's great to hear from you again, Fred. We appreciate your feedback. Now, I think we liked episode two better than episode one. (laughs) And he was the other way around. He thought episode one was an A plus and episode two was an A minus. I like episode two better. Yep, me too. Dave, which one did you like better? Dave? Do you think Dave? It seems that way, that's for sure. I will have to say, too, with, like, what he was talking about, Bokhtan and the big castle in the second one, she's brooding. It's like you send your kid to their room. and Exactly. You know, she just mad. went to her castle and pouting in her throne. Yeah. So, I don't know. I understand some of what you're saying, Fred, but I'm disagreeing with some of it in regards to, like, Bokhtan and everything. It's like, we don't know how many people were there with her, and then they left her. Right. She was like trying to build her stronghold and then just everything going on. I don't know. There's so much going on in the two episodes. Like I said at the beginning, my husband thought this was the the last episode. He's like, no, we're just starting. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that's my opinion. Obviously my opinion. But I still like when uh, Fred finds a lot of the little bits that we miss. Right. Which is surprising because you two always <laughs> find like all the stuff and I'm missing it left and right. And so then add Fred in the mix, finding a third third missing piece. I'm like, you know, I, I swear, I'm just blind to all of this stuff. But <laughs> yeah, It's easy to get into the episode and not focus on peripheral things going on. I think I'm going to have to start watching it like three and four times so I can catch stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, as always, Fred, we appreciate your feedback. And hey, Steve, uh, can I, an- oh. can I uh, answer? Uh, did you hear my part about the two stand-ins? No. You- oh, I, I wanted to answer his question about uh, how much time he spends right, uh, yeah. in the suit. And it's less than you think because he has two stand-ins that uh, take up the suit and go around with the baby Grogu. And they get credit at the end of the show, too. Right. So, yeah, there's two st- stand-ins for uh, Pedro Pascal. Plus, I wanted to answer his question about the young ones having right. to go to the cave. The way I interpreted it is to make sure there's more Mandalorians in the future. <laughs> for one thing, you can't let, the, let the, the little kids die. Plus, we don't have the training that the adults do. And even right. their training is the same from that. And and as far as her sitting on the throne, yeah, she's just pitying herself, like Sean yep. said. Yeah. 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 And if they would have went into the cave, they might have been getting in more Crap. trouble because if Mando didn't show up, that monster could have, like you said earlier, that was its breeding ground. Yeah. Where it lays its egg. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I did see something. I think it was 30% of the time he was not in the suit this season. Right. Because The Last of Us took nine months to. To, uh, film and in that 30 percent i think i want to say he said it was like an hour of voice work like wait what yeah that's mm-hmm. crazy he really doesn't say much yeah you could kind of tell it a little bit in this episode because when din was talking you didn't really hear any kind of background noise at all and you would have thought that you'd hear water dripping or stuff like that you know, the critters scurrying around. Hmm. Nope. It was all pure, pure audio from him. One more thing for Fred. I, I know he made a observation about religion, organized religion. I'm, I'm pretty much the same way as him. He called him uh, anal, but yeah, Din's a believer. He, he is a fanatic. And I know fanaticism spells religion. And But for them, that's what brings them together and tears them apart. That's their, that's their society. They just need to find... One course. Right. Yeah, that, for Mando, that's the only place he belongs is with the watch. And if he doesn't have that, he, it's, he's by himself and he feels like he needs to belong to something. And that's why he's trying to redeem himself with the watch. It's, I don't know how they're going to resolve that either. No, you know, I don't want, either. <laughs> I don't, I, I just can't think of one. Nope. You know, they're just going to have to get along. <laughs> why yep. can't we all get along? All right. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 10 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com. Please review and rate us on iTunes and any other platform you use for your podcast. With good ratings and reviews, it helps other fans of the show find us as there are plenty of other Mandalorian podcasts out there. But we, we're the Mudhorn clan cast and we we actually wear our, our well I do. <laughs> I am got it on right now. All right, there. Yeah. I wear my sweatshirt all the time, and we Ooh. have little Jinjarin and 
and Baby Grogu's keychains, by the way. Yes. Yep. So tell your friends, and I hope you're enjoying our podcast, and don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcast. You can find all of them over at www.fangirlzone.com, and you can find our contacts page there, which is all the ways to get a hold of us, and there are a plethora of ways. And we will always answer you, even if it's after the season, if you're sending something in, because you're watching this at a different time than we are. So, for this episode of the Mudhorn Clan cast, I'm Sith Lord Steve. Don't be a baby. Just get the samples we need and hurry up. I'm Sean Fangirl S, and I would say something in Java, but it might not come across as clean. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Beskar Dave. Maybe I need to settle my bolts, but I think Bo-Katan was built for adventure. There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone.